Praise the Lord. Yeah, the praise and worship was was so good uh, all week, and and then tonight I enjoyed just just uh, as we sang those. We just sing two songs. The one about uh, certainly the blood. I always love blood songs, and then uh, and then about the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. Just, if you just stop and look at those, I, I, just sitting there listening and, and watching Jackie and the <clears throat> and uh, everybody worship and lead worship. I just thought, you know, if, if the church really believed those words, we'd just be unstoppable, invincible. Isn't that right? I mean, if we really believe, you know, nothing compares with this. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Oh, the blood that washes me white as snow. Amen? You know, you know there's some, somewhere, somewhere along the years there became a disconnect in the church from believing all this stuff to just saying it or just singing it or just, you know, going through the motions. But I tell you what, if, we, if we'd go back and start hooking up with those, those uh, songs that we sing and the scriptures that we read and realize this stuff is real. This stuff is true. They're not a devil. They don't build devils tough enough to stand up against the name of Jesus. God mer- now, God never meant his first incurable case. Isn't that right? God's never met his first incurable disease, and you don't have it. Amen. You you haven't got it. You're not it. Amen. He's all-powerful, all-wonderful. The blood, the blood, the blood, the name. Amen. Man, I tell you, we could could get happy. We could have a Sunday night service. I know y'all call this healing school, and it's kind of be a, it's supposed to be a 60-minute school on healing, and I get that. But, you know, I, I remember the days when you just, you just didn't miss Sunday night service because that's when stuff was going to happen. Amen? That's when stuff was going to happen. I mean, you know, Sunday, Sunday morning was good, but, you know, that was kind of, you know, the Sunday morning service, and people brought visitors, and, you know, and everybody was nice, and we sang and preached and went home and had our dinner and all that kind of stuff. But Sunday night, man, I mean, Sunday night, the Holy Ghost would show up. Sunday night, God would show up. Sunday night, you know, you just threw out everything else. That, hey, this, this is about God tonight. And uh, we'd have these Holy Ghost services, you know, and, and you just didn't miss. Man, you didn't want to miss Sunday night. Something might happen. The night you don't go is the night that something may really happen. And, you know, then we had these dear old saints in the church, you know, the older men and women of the church. And I tell you what, us teenagers, we knew that uh, we knew we just had to live right and act right and do right because the, the Holy Ghost would tell on us. Man, we'd just be minding our own business sitting over here just singing and praising and, and worshiping. All of a sudden, some dear old saint would come by and tap you on the shoulder and say, Honey, let's go to the prayer room. Let's go to the prayer room. And they took you to the prayer room. Remember when churches, you, you probably don't remember when churches had prayer rooms. But we'd, we'd go to the prayer room, and I mean, we didn't leave there until they got through. Not, not if I got through, they got through. <clears throat> there's a church there in Dallas that we talk about a lot, Renee and I do, and back in the old days, there's a church there in, in Dallas that, uh, that in one five-year period, they had to change the carpet three times in the prayer room. Not because something got spilled on it or you know, got messed up, but I mean for praying wearing the thing out. Three times in five years, they had to change the carpet in the prayer room because people went in there and prayed so much. You think they had church? 
Well, I guess so. But man, those dear old saints would come over and they'd say, honey, let's go to the prayer room. You'd say, oh. <laughs> Lord, don't tell on me. But Sunday nights were such an awesome time and such a tremendous time. And I believe that's coming back. I said to you Sunday week ago, I said, I, I believe the day's coming where the congregation, not the pastor, but the congregation will come to the pastor and say, Pastor, we need some more word. It's, it's a tough world out there. It's a, it's a fight out there. We need some more word to win. Because, you know, we, we need to realize that word makes us win. It's not just, it's not just you know, memory verses and scriptures. I mean, they, this is real stuff. This is a real war. And God's called us to be blood warriors. Amen. I mean, we're blood warriors. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all ready to get in the word tonight on healing? I like healing. You know, the only prerequisite for getting a miracle is needing one. If you need one, God's got them for you. Now, the best thing is to not need one. I'd rather, I'd rather just get myself in a position where I don't need one. Amen. But it sure is reassuring to know that if we need one, God's got them. You know, in the Garden of Eden, there weren't any healings and miracles because there wasn't any sickness and disease. God's plan wasn't to have healings and miracles because he didn't intend to have sickness and disease. But once, once Adam sold out and sold title deed to this thing and sickness and disease, the curse came and sin came, the fall came, disease came, death came, then, uh, then God invented healings and miracles and deliverance to counteract that that the devil had done. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that when the devil said, oh, yeah, well, I'll do this, and God said, yeah, you do that, then I'll do this. Amen. But thank God for the church coming back to the time where we realize that, hey, I can take this word. I can take this word. You know, I told you this morning the, the, the old, old hitchhiker story that happened when I was 24 years old and the guy pulled a gun on me and shot at me five times. The bullets didn't hit me. And, uh, you know, and, and I, he said to me a couple of times, he was just flabbergasted a couple of times. He said, what's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Aren't you scared? I mean, he's got a gun in my ribs and collar pulled over like this, and I'm driving the car. What's the matter with you? Aren't you scared? See, the devil plays on fear. And bad guys play on fear. They want you to be scared. They, they, they feed on that terror. And I honestly said to him, I said, no, I'm not scared. Why should I be scared? All you've got is a loaded gun. I've got the name of Jesus. I win. But see, I knew that was an absolute truth. And then it played out and come to find out it, 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 it played out and was truth. And I won. But uh, so many of the church today don't get that that's an absolute truth. That these truths God gave us are absolutes and they, they really do work. Amen. And sometimes, you know, we pray our two or three minutes and then we're done and we walk off and, and, and the devil's still there and just keeps on going. Then we wonder why it didn't work. And one reason it didn't work is a law that I learned a lot of years ago, and that is this. You need to always stay till the devil leaves. Amen. It's a big deal for you to stay till the devil leaves. My dear friend T.L. Osborne said to me many decades ago, he said, Terry, he said, I've been watching you. And he said, I'm impressed that you know how to make the devil mind you. Well, I never thought about that at all. But, you know, we need to know how to make the devil mind us. We need to stay till the devil leaves. And sometimes us, us church people, especially us Word of Faith folks, because we're so into just confessing the Word and thinking that ought to work, you know, just like ripe apples falling off a tree or, or like it's a magic, uh, you know, wand or a, or a rabbit's foot or a talisman or something. We just, we just 
spit out a scripture like somebody just spit out a hex or a curse or something, you know, or a little rhyme or a little little deal. And then we just, somebody's in the hospital, they got some serious problems, and we, we run by on our lunch hour and just go in there and say, I call you healed in the name of Jesus, by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed, and then we leave and go eat our lunch. Well, the devil didn't leave. He just kind of stayed there over in the corner just kind of, you know, watching and waiting. And then uh, when we left, then he just stayed there and continued doing what he was doing. But we need to learn to stay till the devil leaves. You know, I know, I know Pastor Mike talks to you probably a lot about Brother Hagen, and Brother Hagen was a friend of his, and Brother Hagen was a dear friend of mine. I knew Brother Hagen since I was 16 years old. And uh, he used to always make the statement, if you listen to his tapes or CDs now, or read his books, you'll have seen this statement or heard this statement. He used to, he used to make this statement a lot. And he'd say, when I pastored, because he pastored... You know, in his younger days, he pastored back in the in the forties uh, uh, and fifties. And he said, "When I pastored, he said nobody in my church died of sickness or disease." He said, "We had people that just got old and went to heaven. You know, they just they just got through and left." But he said, "Nobody in my church ever, not any church I pastored, nobody uh, died of a of a sickness or a disease." And he'd, he'd make that statement lots of times. Well, then he started Raymond and started the Bible school, and so thousands of students had come through the school, and so they'd hear that statement. And then they'd go off, they'd graduate school, and they'd go off and pastor somewhere. And then over the years, I'd have several of them, numbers of them call me over the years and say, Brother Terry, come, come help me. My church is about to, you know, lynch me or about to shoot me. And I said, well, what's wrong? And they said, well, I, I got up and told them I was just like Brother Hagin that, that nobody in our church was going to die of sickness and disease. He said, man, I just preached my fifth funeral this year, and, and the people are upset. And I said, well, did you, when you made that statement, when you made Brother Hagin's statement, did you tell them why? And they'd always say the same, to, same thing to me. They'd say, what? And I said, well, did you tell them why? They said, what do you mean? I said, well, Brother Hagin always told you, he always told you why that worked. There was a reason it worked. It wasn't just a statement with no foundation, with no anchor, with no hook that was attached to something. He didn't just spit that out and walk off. There was a, there was a reason. It was, a, it was attached to something. It was, it was hooked to something. You know, I've got a series back there called Faith Anchor. You, you gotta, your faith's got to be anchored to something or it doesn't have any foundation to work. If you just stand out there and make some statement, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or God's going to do this, but you can't point to the anchor and say, because of this scripture, because God said, because the word says so. You're just saying it just to be saying it. And you wonder why it doesn't work. So anyway, I'd say, did you tell them why? Well, no, I didn't tell them why. What do you mean? I said, well, go back and listen to that again. I said, here's what Brother Hagin actually said. He said, whenever I pastored a church, nobody ever died of a sickness and he said, here's the reason why. He said, because if it, was a, if it was a lady that was sick in my church, he said, then I just went over to her house as her pastor. And I took a chair and set it by her bed. And I just read her the word until she got healed. Day after day, it's however long it took. I just read her the word until she got healed. He said, if it was a man in my church, he said, I'd just go get up on the bed with him. He's in bed. i just climb up on the bed, lean up against the bed, and i just read him the word till he got healed. Well, see, that's a, that's a lot of difference. That's a lot of difference. And they say, oh, no, I didn't tell them that. I said, well, you know, you might, ought to, you might ought to see why it worked. It's not just a magic formula that just spit it out there with pixie dust and it works. No, there's a, it's anchored to something. It's attached to something. 
that the pastor, the man of God, the spiritual authority came in there and, and said, no, we're, we're staying here till this is gone. In other words, stay till the devil leaves. Amen? Oh, that's good, Brother Terry. I appreciate you telling me that. Well, I know that'll, that'll work for you, man. That's worth a million bucks. <clears throat> Are you here? Let me give you some healing scriptures tonight. And uh, if you'll take, take hold of these healing scriptures and understand some things about where, what they're... These, these are the anchors. These are, these are the things your faith is attached to. These are why these things, these things work. Let's go to... Let's go to uh, Chronicles, you don't have to turn over there. There's going to be a lot of scriptures here. You're not going to have time probably to turn over to, so you may want to write them down or just get the CD or whatever. But in Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, It came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, they were saying something, saying, for he is good, his mercy endureth forever, that then, T-H-E-N, that then the house was filled with a cloud. Well, that's good, isn't it? Then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not even stand up to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Isn't that good? That little word then, T-H-E-N, then. God's promises are always preceded by a condition or a commandment. And one reason that, that the promises don't work for people is because they'll go find a promise and then they'll start confessing that promise or believing that promise, but they, they don't include the commandment or the condition. They just, they just go from the promise. But usually there's a condition or a commandment, and then there's a little word, then. And then it gives you the promise. And so what happens, it says, if you do this, then, here's the promise then the Lord will do this. If you do this, then the Lord will do this. If you do this, then the Lord will do this. But most, most all the time, the Christian just goes and grabs that promise and says, well, here's what the Word says, here's what the promise says, but there's no, the, the, they, they pick it up after the then instead of before the then. Amen. And it'll change your life if you'll go back and pick it up before the then. And see to it, have I done the commandment? Have I done the condition to meet the promise, to meet the then? It's kind of like standing on the Word. You know, I've had so many people over, over many, many years say to me, uh, uh, Brother Terry, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm standing. I want you to agree with me about this because I'm just standing. And I said, okay. The Bible says stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. I said, okay, but what have you done? They said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm standing. Yeah, but what are you doing? Well, I'm standing. I get that, but what, what are you doing? Well, I'm not doing anything. I'm standing. <clears throat> and I tell them, I say, well, I'm not sure you're, you're, you've qualified to stand. I say, what do you mean by that? I say, well, you're not qualified to stand until you have, have having done all. The Bible says in having done all, then stand therefore. But if you haven't done all, then you're not qualified to stand. Amen. That's like picking it up after the then. We need to go find out what's before the then, what's the, what are the requirements for me to stand in faith. I can't just stand up today and say, okay, Lord, I'm standing. Well, yeah, but you have to have done something. 
Faith demands what? Action. Faith without works is what? Dead. A faith that, a faith that, a faith that does nothing, a faith that risks nothing, a faith that demands nothing is worth nothing. Amen. But you're saying faith is worth nothing. That's right. Faith is dead. Faith is a noun. Nouns are dead. Tombstone's a noun. Grave is a noun. Cemetery's a noun. Faith is a noun. And it's dead without having corresponding action. Faith without, well, James tells us three times, faith without works is dead. Faith, faith isn't going to work if you don't work it. Are y'all here? So we need to come back to the point that when the, we want the house to be filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. We, we, we'd like the cloud just to come in here and the glory to come in here just so we couldn't preach. We couldn't sing. We couldn't do anything, man. We just, we just, God just comes in here and fills the place with the cloud and we just, we just hit our knees and enjoy it and let him do what he wants to do. Amen. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. Doing what? Doing good. Jesus went about doing good. Sickness and disease aren't good. Healings and miracles are good. Jesus went about doing good and healing all, A-double-L, all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. I've preached it in countries all over the world, preached it in jungles, preached it in mountains, in deserts. I've preached it back in tribes. That, that This scripture tells us several things. It tells us God is good, Jesus is good, the Holy Ghost is good, and the devil's bad. And that's really what we need to know about stuff. God's good, Jesus is good, the Holy Ghost is good. The devil's bad. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all, not some, not a few, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That tells us the devil's the oppressor. God's not the oppressor. The devil's the oppressor. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That's a simple, simple statement and a simple, simple scripture, but yet it is so profound to our faith and our thinking to understand that if it's, if it's bad, it's not God. There's no such thing as a, as a good sickness. No such thing as a good disease. No such thing as poverty being good. Those things, sickness, disease, and poverty were brewed in the cauldrons of hell with one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to kill you. The end result of sickness is you die. The end result of poverty is you die. You know, you, you come go with me to some countries that have real, real poverty. Now, America's got some poor folks and got people living in poverty level and this, that, and the other. But yet there's all kind of help. And there's all kind of, you know, there's all, you know it's, not, it's not like a country where, hey, if I'm poor, I die. You see what I'm talking to you about? You know, I go to countries where, where people are just, you know, they're dying of poverty. They're starving to death or they're, you know, they're whatever. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, the devil, the thief has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Whatever is God's good, whatever the devil's bad. A lot of people act like in the last 2,000 years since the New Testament's been written that God and the devil have changed places and God's doing the bad stuff. devil's doing the good stuff, but that's not true. You know, more and more in our society, the devil gets so much credit and so much praise and so much 
adulation that, you know, well, this devil's not so bad and it's not such a big, no, no, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, Hollywood every now and then makes a movie about, you know, somebody that's a devil or somebody that's an angel or a fallen angel or that those things have come and gone all the years and they've never, ever succeeded because they're just garbage. Isn't that right? The devil does not have the power that God has. The devil is here to kill you, to kill, to steal, to destroy. He's not here to bless you. He's not here to help you. He's not going around looking to make you a deal. That he's going to make you a multimillionaire if you serve him. He's not, he's, not into, he's not into all that. He just wants to kill you. Hello? And we, the church, have got to come back to the understanding of the absolute fact that God's greater than the devil. That the name of Jesus is more powerful than anything the devil's got. That the blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything the devil's got. That Jesus paid for our salvation, that he paid for our healing, that by his stripes we, in fact, are healed. Amen. Psalm 72, 18. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who only doeth, what? Wondrous things. He only doeth wondrous things. He doesn't do bad stuff. He only doeth wondrous things. 1 Kings eight twenty seven. The heaven of heavens can't contain him. He's so big, the heaven of heavens can't contain him. Isaiah 66, 1, the heaven is my throne, God said, and the earth is my footstool. Psalms 105, verse 37 says, there's not one feeble among them. Whenever God brought them out of Egypt, two million Jews, when he delivered them from Egypt, it says there was not one feeble among them. And yet every time we see a movie about that, we see some, some whether it's an old or a new Hollywood blockbuster, uh, you always see some people that are blind and people that are feeble and people that are on crutches and people that are on canes and people that somebody's carrying and, and helping. No, it says out of two million Jews, there was not one feeble among them. Now, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? That's in the old covenant. Now, the Bible says we have a better covenant now, but you know what? In that old covenant, there wasn't one feeble among them. That's not a bad deal. I'd like to see the church today with not one feeble among them under the New Testament. Psalms 103, starting at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. And here's those benefits. Number one, who forgive all thine iniquities. That's a good benefit. Who heals all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. That's a good one. And who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. And five, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed as the eagles. Boy, he said, God satisfies our mouth with good things to say and good things to eat. Amen. God provides for us, gives to us that our, that our youth is renewed as eagles. Psalms 107, verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Any one of these scriptures will get you healed. Amen. Exodus fifteen twenty six. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, for I am the Lord that what? Healeth thee. Isn't that cool that God just says to you, I, hey, I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's my job. I, I, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Don't forget that. Genesis seventeen seven. I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant. You know what a tremendous thing God said to Abraham. If he had just said, Abraham, I'm going to establish my covenant between me and you. Well, that had been great for Abraham and didn't do us any good. 
If he just said, Abraham, I'm going to establish my covenant between me and you and your son Isaac. Well, that'd be great for them, but it wouldn't do us any good. But he said, I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generation. Well, here we are in 2017. It's our generation. And God's covenant is still good. His covenant is still good. Deuteronomy 7.13, he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. He will bless the fruit of thy womb. Verse 14, he shall bless all. He shall be, thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male nor female barren among you. What a powerful scripture. I've given that scripture to so many people around the world that come to me and say, Brother Terry, we can't have children. The doctor says we can't have children. We've been married so many years and we don't have any children. I said, well, the, the word says in, in Deuteronomy 7, 13 and 14, I said this to Jackie when she told me we we're about to get married and she said, I can't have children. I said, well, God said in Deuteronomy 7, 13 that he will bless the fruit of your womb and that you'll be blessed above all people. In verse 14, there shall not be male nor female barren among you. So therefore, we'll get married and have kids. Amen. And we had four. Deuteronomy 7.15, the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. A-double-L, longest word in the Bible. The Lord will take away from thee all sickness. A-double-L, longest word in the Bible, all sickness. Yeah, but what about no all sickness? Yeah, but what about no all, all sickness, all sickness? Numbers 23.19, God's not a man that he should lie. And then Deuteronomy 28, we talked about this last week. Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 22, 27 through 29, and 34 through 61 tells us this. tells us that tuberculosis, fever, any kind of fever, inflammation, burning, liver disease, hemorrhoids, itch, scratch, rash, skin disease, madness, insanity, blindness, eye trouble, heart trouble, oppression, depression, leg trouble, knee trouble, open running sores, ulcers, sorrow of mind, doubt of life, fear, uh, no assurance of your life and every disease that existed or was listed and every disease that Satan invents in the future is under the curse of the law. In Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it's written, curse of everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now that ought to have you up on your chair shouting. All that stuff's under the curse of the law. Plain, written out. We don't have to. We don't have to stretch it and try to figure it out. No, it's just listed there, and so that's under the curse of the law. And Christ has, past tense, H A T H, hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. And then verse twenty nine, Galatians three twenty nine says, "If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise." We talked about that last week. Do you belong to Christ? If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. If you're Abraham's seed, then you're an heir. To the promise. All those promises of God are yours. All those things God promised Abraham are yours if you belong to Christ. But see, we're going to have to start taking advantage of that. We, the church, have such a tremendous, powerful advantage over people that aren't the church, over people that aren't saved, and yet we don't, we don't act like it. We used to act like it. I mean, when I was a kid, man, the folks I went to church with acted like it. But, you know, in today's age, it's, it's just almost like we just... Kind of go to church is a nice thing to do, but we're not really locking into these scriptures and using them as a weapon and a tool. And that's, that's what they're intended for. They're intended to be a weapon and a tool for us to use to live victoriously on planet Earth. Amen. You get anything out of this? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. One translation says to give you a future and a hope. 
Guess what we use with our orphans overseas? We've got, we've got different orphanages that we help around the world and some that we help more than others and then some, some one that's just totally ours completely and others that we have our fingers in uh, pretty, pretty deep that we have ad, able to put advice and input on how to run it and what to do. But we, we tell all those kids all the time, saying, God's, God's given you a future and a hope. You can be somebody. You can be anybody you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. We tell them to dream big. You need to have a dream. You need to, you need to have a big dream. I, I was talking to a bunch of orphan girls in Romania years ago, and they're just all sitting around the living room of a place that we had, we had uh, provided for them. And, and, uh, and I was talking to them, and these girls were teenagers. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I said, girls, you need to have a dream. You need to dream big. You can be anything you want to be, do anything you want to do. God will bless you. God will change your destiny. You know, you've been told all your life as an orphan, you can't do this, you can't do this. And, and uh, you know, society's looked down on you because you're an orphan, because you're a gypsy, because you're a girl. But I'm telling you, you can change your destiny, and God will bless you, and God will be the lifter of your head. You just need to dream big and have a dream, and God will help you do whatever you want to do. And this one little girl raised her hand. She said, Brother Terry, I said, what is it, sweetheart? And she said, uh, I have a dream. And I said, well, that's great, honey. What's your dream? And she said, my dream's to be a cleaning lady. She said, I can, I can clean really well, and I'd, I'd like to be a cleaning lady. And I said, well, honey, that's a great dream. That's a great vision, and you can certainly do that. But I said, why don't we just take your dream and just pull it up a little bit, and you own a cleaning business. And I said, you can have all the people, work, you can have all the cleaning ladies working for you. You know, and it just, it just excited her to the point that uh, I've got another young lady that's uh, here in the state now that's uh, uh, an orphan from, from Central America. And uh, she came to me one day, and she said, "Well, Brother Terry, I've, I've achieved my dream." She said, "I do have my own cleaning business, and I do have—I uh, am the the head of all the of all the cleaning ladies, and we have a great business." And and, uh, and and she just started a second one, in fact. And but you know, we we need to understand that God is is at the point of giving us our dream, but we're going to have to make demand and have a faith that demands something, risks something, and does something. Amen. <clears throat> Exodus 23, verse 25. He shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. What a powerful, powerful scripture. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a missionary, so I eat lots of weird stuff, so I like that scripture. Lord, you'll bless my bread, my water, and this monkey and these worms and these insects and this dog and this cat and whatever else it is that I'm eating wherever I'm at, and you will take sickness away from the midst of me. I sure like that scripture, and I sure use it prolifically all the time. Exodus 20, 23, verse 26, There shall nothing cast their young or be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Boy, that's a powerful scripture. That tells you that uh, you, won't have, uh, you won't have miscarriages. There shall nothing cast their young or be barren in your land, and the number of your days I will fulfill. Second Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. And that's a mouthful. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. God's just looking for somebody to bless. I told the Lord all my life, I say, right here, Lord, just look no further. If you're looking all over the earth to bless somebody, here I am. Just help yourself. Help yourself. Help yourself. Psalms 91, 7, a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. 
Verse 10, there shall no evil befall thee, neither any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Verse 11, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Verse 12, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. You know, in this day and age of terrorism, that scripture ought to be a big deal to you. You ought to be telling it to your kids. You ought to be writing it down, putting it on the refrigerator that, that uh, a thousand, a thousand fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. You know those people at that concert in Las Vegas the other night just minding their own business going to a concert and all of a sudden bullets started raining down and death and destruction started raining down and God says, uh, God says to you, a thousand, a thousand might fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. It will not come near you. It will not come near you. And that's what you pray over your kids. That's what you just ingrain them in. When they walk into a place, they just declare 91st Psalm. Just go in there and declare that, Father, a thousand fall. I rebuke, I rebuke a spirit of terror tonight and a spirit, a spirit of terrorism and of murder and assassination. I just curse it and rebuke it. But nevertheless, whatever's going on doesn't affect me because a thousand fall at my side and 10,000 my right hand, and it'll not come near me. Amen. It'll not come near thee. Neither shall, neither shall no, no, no evil befall thee, neither any plague, any plague, any plague, any sickness, any disease, any plague come nigh thy dwelling. I remember right after 9-11, I walked into a pastor's uh, office, going to go preach at the church, and walked into the office, and, and he was just real nervous and real, you know, just, just, well, just acting funny. And so in a few minutes, he said, you know, you know, Brother Terry, he said, something really weird happened today. And I said, really, buddy, what happened? And he said, he said, we got a we got a letter in the mail. And he said it had like a powdery substance on it or something. And he said, man, I don't know if it might be anthrax. I don't know what it might be. I don't know, I don't know what it. But he said, man, it's really got me messed up. Got my staff messed up. And I said, seriously? And he said, yeah, yeah, seriously. I said, where is this letter? So he took me back in the office and just stood back and pointed at it over on the table. I said, right there. And I walked over to it and picked it up. And said, this one. He said, yeah. I ripped it open, held it over my head, and shook it like that. And I said, really, this one? This one? I said, the word says no plague. What are you doing scared about this stuff? Why are you in fear? The word, no plague. 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 Not some plagues. Not 10 plagues. Not 10%. Not five. No plague come nigh thy dwelling. A thousand fall at your side. 10,000 your right hand. And it will not come near you. You know, God didn't. God didn't stutter when he said these things. And he didn't leave any wiggle room. None of them were, you know, well, then maybe God said, no, 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 he said it. It wasn't ambiguous. It wasn't dark. It wasn't, you have to kind of interpret the parable. No, 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 it's just, there it is. Amen. Now, I know some of you don't like the Old Testament, but, you know, I like it. And I just squeeze out all those promises in the Old Testament. Amen. We used to sing every promise in the book is mine. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Psalms uh, 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. What's the rest of that? But the Lord. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Amen. Years and years ago, I was a, I was a 
in my late teens. My little brother was in his early teens, and <clears throat> and uh, he broke his leg at school one day, and I went to get him from school and took him to the doctor and helped him. And, and I said, hey, buddy, I said, we need to pray for you. You've been getting hurt a lot lately. We need to, we need to get on, you need to get on your faith. We need to pray for you so that this kind of stuff will not happen to you. We need to put the blood and the name and the word and the covenant and all that. Man, we need to fix you up. And he said, oh, Terry, no, the, 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 the Bible says many of the afflictions of the righteous. I said, and? And what? I said, what does the rest of that say? Well, I don't know. Well, I said, I didn't fear you did. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord. But the Lord, but the Lord delivereth him out of them, a double L, all. I said, what makes you think you're so holy that God's going around just beating you up? You wear that scripture like a badge, many of the afflictions of the righteous. I'm just, I'm just so beat up and I'm so afflicted because I'm just so righteous. I said, buddy, you're going to quote scripture to me. You ought to get one that fits. You ought to get one that works. Are you all here? Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them a double L all. Psalms 34, 20. He keepeth a double L all his bones. And not one of them is broken. Not one of them is broken. Isaiah 55, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He didn't do that for him. That was all for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. What a deal. Amen? Hebrews 1.3 Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. You want to know what God's like? Or know what God's will is? Look at Jesus. Jesus was the, 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 the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And yet, he went around doing good and healing all the repressed of the devil. He just went around healing people, helping people, blessing people. Amen. And you know, he just healed them right on the spot. He cast out devils with his word. Amen. You know, he didn't have sessions. I was preaching at a church one time years and years ago, and I, I ran by the church, I guess, on Monday. And the pastor and I had lunch, and I went by, by the church, and then I left to go back to my hotel. And as I was walking out of the church on the front step, uh, a lady was coming in, sister was coming in the church, and she said, Hello, Brother Terry. I said, Hello, sister. And she said, I sure enjoyed service yesterday and last night. So that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. Thank God. To God be the glory. And she said, uh, she said uh, I'm, I'm just here for my uh, deliverance session. I just kind of stopped and I said, you're here for what? She said, I'm here for my deliverance session. I said, session? Session? You have deliverance sessions? She said, oh, yeah. Monday, 2 o'clock. And I said, well, I assume by you saying that that you've had other sessions. Today's not the first one. Oh, no, no, every, every Monday. And I said, and I assume by that you're going to have more sessions. 
Like next week and the week after that. Oh, yeah, every Monday. And I said, well, sister, can I ask you just one question? She said, well, certainly. And I said, uh, when do you get delivered? When does it work? I said, obviously, you don't expect it to work today because you're going to be back next Monday. Obviously, it didn't work last Monday. You and me here this Monday. When, when, when does it work? When do you get delivered? When's the last session? Oh, I don't know. You just got Monday in perpetuity. You, you just Monday forever. Yeah. Well, I went back and had a little talk with the pastor about that. Can you imagine Jesus having sessions? The Bible says Jesus cast out devils with his word. He didn't say, come back Thursday. See you same time next week. He didn't have sessions. What do you mean sessions? John 14, 9, He that hath seen me has seen the Father. If you want to figure out God, look at Jesus. We got, we've got a pretty good picture of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We, we can kind of figure out what he thought about healing. He just healed everybody. Amen. Everybody, 100%, everybody that came to Jesus was healed. Now, he just didn't go around and heal everybody that was sick, but everybody that came to him for healing was healed. Right? Now, Jesus did not go to the hospital at Jerusalem and say, Everybody up, you're healed. See, he didn't have the spiritual authority to do that. Neither do you. But everybody that came to him and asked for it got it. Amen. He even went to one guy there on the, at, the, at the pool and said, uh, Will you be made whole? Can I help you? Would you give me permission to help you? And the guy said, well, but I don't, have a, I, don't, I don't have a man to help me. He said, take up your bed and walk. And the guy was healed. But Jesus had to get his permission. But yet if you came to get it, then permission is already given or already implied. So everybody that came to him, he healed them. Amen. Kind of like Dr. Larry, he didn't just go off out everywhere knocking on the door and say, hey, I'm going to fix you up. But he sees people that come to him. Everybody that comes to him, then he works on them. Right? And that's what Jesus does. You come to him, then he's ready to help you. But he's not just going out, you know, trying to just fix everybody because that, that, that violates spiritual authority laws. Amen. Amen. It's like when Peter and John walked by the guy at the gate, beautiful, and they'd walked by him for years. But today they walked by him the first time filled with the Holy Ghost. And the guy asked for alms and expected to receive something from them. And that's when Peter made that famous, famous statement. He said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And grabbed him and grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. And he was completely healed. Immediately, the Bible says, his ankle bones received strength, and he went running and leaping and praising the Lord. Isn't that great? Amen. But see, he was looking to get something from them. He was expecting from them. 
He that seen me has seen the Father. John 6, 38, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So healing is always God's will. How do we know that? Because Jesus said he came down from heaven to do the will of the Father. And he went about doing good and healing all the repress of the devil. Amen. John 5, 19, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. Matthew 8, 17, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. See, if he bore your sickness and carried your infirmity, then, then why are you carrying it? I'm not fussing at you. I'm saying you need to ask yourself that question. Now, now if he's going to carry it, why am I carrying it? You know, when I fly in someplace to preach and the pastor comes and brings a couple of helpers with him and, and comes to the airport and picks me up, they pick me up and they, they, they grab my luggage and carry my baggage. Well, well if they're going to carry it, then I just let them. We'd look silly with us all trying to carry my suitcase. So I just, I just let him carry it. Himself carried mine. Himself bore mine. If he bore yours, then you don't, you don't have to bear it. You don't, you don't have to carry it. Himself took our infirmities, bore our sickness, and bare our sickness. First Peter 2.24, who his own self... Bear, bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now Isaiah tells us we are healed and Peter tells us we were healed. If you were and you are, then you is. Amen. Matthew four twenty three, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing A.W.L. all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Matthew 4.24, They brought unto him all sick people, A.W.L. all sick people, that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed of the devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. So I said to you this morning, these people weren't easy to get to church. Man, they didn't just drive by in their air-conditioned car and pick somebody up from their house and, and bring them to the nice air-conditioned church. I mean, these were, these were people that were lunatic, that had the palsy. They couldn't walk. They were people that were, that were infirm, people that were insane, people that were crazy. Those aren't people that are easy to get along with. You don't just drive them to church and everything's all happy. No, some of those people had to be carried because they couldn't walk. Some of them had to be brought in chains because they're, they're, they're crazy. They're trying to hit people. It says here that they were, they were tormented people. He brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments. They're tormented. Have you ever been around a tormented person or not? It's not, it's not, it's not good. It's not, it's not fun. It's not pretty. Those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. He healed them. The church so needs to get back to, to this kind of a lifestyle that we bring somebody to church and God heal them. That we pray for somebody and God heal them. That we minister to somebody and it works. You know one reason that so many third world countries or, or, or tribal countries that, that I've gone through over all the years, one of the reasons the people... Uh, will serve the devil is just because they're scared of, of a real power. I mean, that witch doctor has real power, and they know it. And so they're scared about it. And so they understand that, and so they, they submit. 
But you know when you go in there and show them the power of God? I've been to countries where they, they, they don't mind believing in God. They kind of believe in God. They just know that God's good and the devil is going to hurt them, so they serve the devil. They say, yeah, God, I believe in God, all right, but he's, 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 he doesn't hurt me. He doesn't bother me. This guy over here, man, he's, he's, got, he's got power with the devil. Well, yeah, but he doesn't have as much power as you do with God. I've cast devils out a lot of witch doctors over the years. Somebody's asked me, who was it? Was, I guess it was Bill just before service, wherever he is. Asked me, uh, there you are, back there. Asked me about zombies. And... Uh, because he's heard me say before, zombies are real. They're not, they're, not, they're not fake. They're not phony. Now, of course, you know, stuff we see in Hollywood and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you know. But, but you know, z- zombies are, are real, uh, especially in Haiti. Haiti's a good example. There are other countries, but Haiti's a really good example because of voodoo. And what, uh, wh- what a zombie really is, is that uh, some person dies, and so you've got a dead body. And so this voodoo priest will call demon spirits into this body. And this demon spirit, the person's not alive, but, but, but this demon spirit animates them. And they get up and they walk. They're real, they're real slow and real, you know, I mean, because they're not alive. They're not fluid. But, but they'll, they'll manipulate that body to where it gets up and staggers around and goes and does some stuff. It's not, not like Hollywood where if they touch you, you become a zombie or they bite you or whatever the story goes. But, but I mean, they're, they're, they're a dead body possessed of demon spirits, which just scares the tea waddling soup out of all the, all the people. Because here's old Joe that died yesterday, and now here he is, you know. It's a real deal. Real deal. Now, it doesn't last very long because, you know, rigor mortis sets in and the body starts to rot and, and, and swell from the gases and bloat and finally fall down. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't last very long. I can't be a zombie for a week. You understand what I'm saying to you? Because that body's dead. But uh, it's a real deal. It's, it, it lasts long enough to scare everybody and get them in submission to the, to the voodoo priest. Of course, you walk in there and say, come out of here in the name of Jesus, and he falls down. And then the voodoo priest says, you killed him. (laughs) But you know, those powers are real. Witchcraft, voodoo, demon spirits, all that stuff's real. It's just that Christians have more power, have more authority. The name of Jesus is the higher power. That stuff's just a cheap copy of what God's doing. Because God will really raise a person from the dead. And they get up alive and well. Amen. Amen. I've raised a number of people from the dead. The longest one ever took me was 12 hours, praying for somebody for 12 hours It was dead. American medical doctors stand there saying, they're dead, Terry. D-E-A-D, dead. You understand that? Yeah, I got that, but I'm not going to bury them. They're going to they're gonna live and not die. And God raised them up after 12 hours. Others I've just spoke to in a matter of minutes. They got up and completely healed. Amen. But, you know, they're real people. I mean, that person's spirit came back into, they're not a zombie. They're just raised from the dead. And then Satan's counterfeit to that is to bring demon spirits into a body. Satan always tries to counterfeit whatever God does for, for, for real. Are you all with me? It's, it's 730. You all still good here for a few more minutes? Yeah, you okay? My, my, my.
I'm going to read that scripture again, Matthew 4.24. They brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic. Those people scratch themselves, they'll bite themselves, they'll rip their hair out by the roots. They're lunatic, they're demon-possessed. And those that had the palsy, meaning they can't walk, and he healed them. Man, what a deal. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew 8, 2, the leper said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. The leper knew that Jesus had the power. He could heal him, just didn't know if he would heal him. So he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus answered that question in verse 3 for him and for you and for me and for everybody else forever. He said, Jesus touched him saying, I will. I will. Be thou clean. And the guy was completely healed. Matthew 8, 6. My servant lieth homesick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. That was his, that was his, his will. The centurion said, my servant's sick at home. I'll come heal him. That's Jesus' position. That's his, that's his thinking on the, on the, on the subject. I'll, I'll just come heal him. And, of course, the guy said, you don't have to do that. I'm, I'm a man under authority. I'm a military guy. I fi- I've figured this out. I say to a soldier, go, and he goes, and come, and he comes, and I tell him to do this, and he does it. And he said, you just, all you need to do is speak the word only, and that sickness will leave my, my servant because you're in spiritual authority here. I get that. I've, I've watched you. If you speak the word only, then my servant will be healed. So Jesus said, okay, go, go. He's, he's healed, and he was. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every, every, every sickness and every disease among the people. All of them. Jesus healed every sickness, every disease among the people. Matthew 10.1, he gave them power. Jesus called him his 12 disciples, gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. What do you do with unclean spirits? Cast them out. You don't talk to them. You don't play with them. You don't count them. You don't collect them in little jars and tell people you're in deliverance ministry. You just cast them out. God doesn't like demon spirits. He doesn't want you to like them. Unclean spirits, get rid of them. To cast, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, just, there's no discrepancy in any of that. There's no question in there. There's no wiggle room in there. There's no... I wonder if he really meant it. No, he gave them power to heal every sickness and every disease among the people. Heal all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. Verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Freely you receive, freely give. Now, what a, what a powerful commandment that was. You know, I was just a teenager. I said, Lord, I want that. You said heal the sick. I want to heal the sick. You said cleanse the leper. I want to cleanse the leper. You said raise the dead. I want to raise the dead. And you know, now I've done all that. Jesus said, do it. It was a commandment from Jesus. He thought it up. Those disciples didn't think that up. He thought it up. He said, guys, here's a commandment for you. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Amen. <clears throat> I had a pastor years ago. He pastored a church of about 4,000 people. Good guy. And he, he called me in one day, and I'd preached for him a number of times over the years. And he called me one day and had me come down and, and preach for him. And then we went out to lunch. And, and while I was at lunch, he said, Terry, he said, I, I had you in because I want to ask you something. He said, uh, I am so tired of every time somebody in my church dies, 
And the people go tell me, well, call Terry Myers to raise them up. And he said, uh, I just tell people that, you know, raising the dead is not part of the Great Commission. Mark, Mark 16 said, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes baptized shall be saved. And he that believes not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll drink any dead thing. They won't hurt them. Take up servants. They'll lay hands on the sick. In the name of Jesus, they'll recover. He said, He doesn't mention raising the dead in there. I said, That's your, that's, that's your crutch. Huh? That's, your, that's your excuse. He said, well, that's what the word says. I said, what about Matthew 10, 8? Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, freely you receive, freely give. I said, there's no wiggle room in that. I said, as long as you're looking for excuses to justify why you don't have to get somebody healed or helped or blessed, then you're not going to do it. But don't go trying to blame that on Jesus. Don't go trying to blame that on the word. Amen. You know, I don't know everything there is to know or much to know about raising the dead. I've, just, I've done it a number of times. But, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've had people call me back in the old days, you know, after my first book came out and, and Brother Copeland used to tell my stories and different guys, Noah Roberts, T, all these guys. I had people just call me with heartbreaking, you know, requests. Say, Brother Terry, my wife died, my baby died, my husband died. Would you come raise them from the dead? And I said, I, I can't do that. I don't know how. I don't know how to, 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 I said, you know, I've raised the dead. But I said, you know, I've always been there. I mean, I was always present. You know, I didn't come later. I said, I know Jesus came later. Jesus came four days later to raise Lazarus. I said, I get that. I said, if I knew how to do that, I said, that's all I'd do. I said, I'd just get me a jet and just sit by the phone. And that's all I'd do is fly all over the world and raise the dead. Man, I think that'd be great. I said, I just don't know how to do that. I know a few things. I've stumbled over a few things. I've learned a few things, but I don't know, you know, I can't write a book on it. I had a guy one time. This guy was on staff with my friend Norval Hayes, and I was preaching at Norval's. And so this guy took me out to eat. He said, can I take you out to eat? I said, sure. We went out to eat, and we sat there for a while, and uh, he reached down in his briefcase and pulled out a book. He said, Terry, I want you to see my new book. I just wrote a new book. I said, well, good for you. And he handed it to me, and I looked at it, and the title was, You Can Raise the Dead. And I said, that's really cool. That's great. And I just kind of thumbed through it and thumbed through it. And I said, uh, how many people have you raised from the dead? He said, none. I said, oh. So I put it down, and we finished having our lunch and left. And, and I thought later, <clears throat> I thought, now he's sitting at lunch with a guy that has raised the dead. And he wrote a book on you can raise the dead, but he never has. And you would have thought he had asked me a question. He never asked me one question. Never once asked one question at all. None, zero, nine, not a niche, none. And I thought, and you know, he came and went. I don't even know what his name is, and he never did anything in the ministry. But it's like, what? Why would you waste that opportunity? Does that make sense to you all? He wrote a book. You can raise the dead. He's never raised the dead. He's at lunch with the guy that's raised a bunch. Never a question. Never a comment. Never a word. Never, never. Brother Terry, tell me a story about when you raised the dead. Nothing. Isn't that amazing? Y'all still with me? 
So he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. Freely you received, freely give. Matthew 12, 15, great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Great multitude. Great, that's, that's a lot of people. Great multitudes. When the Bible says a multitude, they're talking about a bunch of folks. Great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. You just can't get, get rid of those kind of scriptures. They're just absolutely solid, sound, foundational. How many did he heal? All of them. How many? All of them. You know, that's always my goal. It's not always my result. It's always my goal. Every time I go into a meeting and go into a crusade, I say, Father, tonight I'm expecting all of them to be here, 100% of them here. That doesn't always happen, but that's always my goal. You know, I believe in I believe in healing and I believe in miracles because of these scriptures we're reading, not because I've seen it done or not because I've done it myself. That's not why I believe in it. You know, if I believed in healing just because I'd seen somebody get healed, then I'd not believe in healing when I saw somebody not get healed. And I've seen a lot of people not get healed. I pray, I prayed, I prayed for I, I, I prayed for dead people when they got up. But I prayed for live people and they died. And so have you if you've prayed for very many people. Isn't that right? My goal is to raise them up, not to kill them. But you know, if I if I had a prayer line and, and for the next six months everybody I prayed for fell down dead, I'd still believe in healing. Probably make my prayer line shorter. People probably wouldn't come up and get prayed for. And I don't blame them. But it wouldn't change what I believe because I don't believe it because I've seen it. I believe it because the Word says it. See, our faith has got to be based on it's in the Word. Jesus did it. Jesus said it. God said it. So it's right. Just because you've done it and failed doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It just means you didn't work it. You know, I've had faith failures in my life. But... If that's what my faith was based on, then I wouldn't try again. Right? When I have a faith failure, it makes me mad. It makes me mad. It hurts me. But I go back and pray for somebody else. Go back and pray for somebody else. Go back and pray for somebody else. Because thank God the Word says it. I know it's right. And I've had faith successes. But my faith isn't based on my faith successes. My faith is based on this Word. Amen. You know, sometimes in our in our faith, we just do things that are just, we just miss it. We just do wrong stuff. And then we learn lessons from it, hopefully. You know, for years as a missionary, I mean, for lots, lots of times back in the old days when I started, I, I, I did not have any money. And back then you didn't even have credit cards, you know. I mean, you didn't have, and then you're in Mexico or someplace and you don't have a bank account. You don't have, I mean, you're just there, just you and God there. And, uh, a lot of times I'd need to go somewhere and I'd look at the gas gauge and there's no gas. There's no money. So I'd just go. God would just, and I'm not talking about three or four blocks. I mean, I'd go on serious trips. And you know, I, I, I'd, I'd get, sometimes if it bugged me, I'd get a little piece of cardboard and I'd just tape up there on the gas gauge. So I can't see it. I don't want to see it. I want my faith on the word. I don't want my faith, my eyeballs looking over there at that. You know, back, back in those days, your car didn't talk to you and tell you, hey, you need some gas. 
Hey, 50 miles, you're going to need some gas. Hey, you ran out of gas a long time ago. No, thank God they didn't talk to me. I'd have, I'd have reached in there and grabbed that thing by the throat and ripped it out. I didn't need to hear that. But I, I've driven literally for days, numbers of times, without gas. But then one time, learn this, then one time we were in the States. And we were going from one town in Texas to another town, thing, just 20 miles away. This isn't far. This is 20 miles. We were visiting with friends late at night, and I just flat forgot to gas up. Had money in my pocket. And we started out of town. And just as we got to the edge of town to go the 20 miles, I looked at the gas station. I said, oh, man, we need to get some gas. And I was like, eh. I've driven for days without gas. I'll just, I'll be all right. And then my wife said to me, Jackie said to me, do do we need some gas? I said, yeah, we do. But I just thought, yeah, it'd be all right. We've driven for days without gas, you know. And we got about 10 miles, 5 miles from town and ran out of gas. Irritated me. I got out and slammed the door, you know, and started to walk off to go get some gas, you know. And the Lord said, now, don't blame that on me. I'm just walking out there in the dark. I said, what? I said, don't blame that on me. I said, don't use this. Don't use this to tell people, well, now that doesn't work. Because he said, that's what my church has done for decades, for centuries. He said, my church sees something in my word, and they'll say, okay, you do this because the Bible says it. And he said, then they did it enough times and it didn't work that they just incorporated into their doctrine that that doesn't work. And so they don't believe it anymore. And he said, what you did was foolish. He said, you had money in your pocket and you knew you needed some gas and all you had to do was turn around and get some. He said, I've come through for you when you had no money and you had to go somewhere and I provided. But he said, what you did tonight was just foolish. And he brought this example up to me of the Catholic Church. And I'm not against Catholics at all. This is just an example that God, God used to me. He said, he said, James says that when somebody's sick, you call the elders of the church and let them come over and anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith and the Lord will raise, raise them up. And I said, yes, sir, I know that. And he said, well, he said, they did that forever. He said, they'd anoint somebody with oil and pray and they'd die. They'd anoint somebody with oil and pray and they'd die. They'd anoint somebody with oil and pray and they'd die. He says, so they just finally, after numbers of years, they just incorporated that into the last rites. And so now when somebody that's a Catholic's dying, the priest comes over and anoints them with oil, and they die. They've just incorporated their, their unbelief, their, their failures, and created a doctrine out of it to get them off the hook. And boy, when he said that, I knew it was right because when I first became a missionary, I was in Mexico, Mexico's Catholic. And so I had my little bottle of oil, just like every good charismaniac does. And I had my little bottle of oil in my pocket. And uh, I'd go, somebody would tell me somebody's sick in the hospital. And I'd run up to pray for them. And, I'd, I'd, and they're Catholic, you know. And, and, and so I'd just grab my bottle out and open it. And I'd just see fear come all over their face. <laughs> and that happened once, twice, three times, ten times. I thought, what's wrong with these people? As soon as I started to pray for them, they just go. And they're not even sick unto death. They just got, they're sick. They're just in the hospital. And it finally dawned on me that they're, they're equating me anointing them with oil as the last rites. 
that they're going to die. So I quit carrying oil. I just quit anointing people with oil in, in Catholic countries, you know, because uh, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to help faith any. It seems to promote an instant belief that they're going to die. So I just leave that alone. But see, you can't, you can't use your faith failures to say, well, God doesn't do that anymore. It's so easy just to say, to make you look good, to say, well, God, that's not my fault. God just doesn't do that anymore. Well, God just isn't doing that anymore. Well, God just isn't doing that anymore. Well, God just doesn't do that. Yeah, he does. He didn't fail. You did. I did. So I didn't let that happen to me with gas anymore. I said, if I've got, if I've got money, then uh, I'm going to put gas in the car. I remember one time we was at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Jackie and I had come in from Mexico, and somebody had given us a Cadillac. Numbers of years old Cadillac, and that thing got eight miles to the gallon of gas. I didn't know if it was a blessing or a curse to, when they gave it to me. And Brother Osteen, John Osteen, Joel's father, wanted us to stay on the grounds. Uh, Lakewood Church had some, some houses they called the mission, missionary cottages. They wanted to, wanted to stay there, so we stayed there. And I mean, day after day. I had zero money, and I had zero gas. This Cadillac had zero gas, and I knew when it said empty, it really was. And uh, so I put some paper up there on the thing so I couldn't see it and I just kept believing God for gas, believing God for gas. And uh, one day, John Osteen called me up, and he said, uh, he said, Terry, he said, come on out to, to the house and uh, have dinner with us. So, so they lived in, in Humble, Texas, we were, we were in Houston proper, so it was about 18 miles one way. And uh, so I told Jackie, I said, Brother John wants us to come out and have lunch with him, or dinner with him and Dodie. It was a Wednesday night, and I said, they won't then come into church. And uh, so we drove out there, no gas, and then drove back. And Brother Osteen said, Terry, I think I'll just ride with you. And Jackie can ride with Dodie. Jackie and the kids can ride with Dodie and kids. And I just thought, oh, dear God. I've got to get John Osteen to church on Wednesday night in his car that doesn't have any gas in it. And, uh, and so I did. We, we got in the car, and, man, I don't know what he talked about. I was miserable the whole time. And... Uh, Got him to church, though. We didn't, didn't run out of gas, which is a major miracle. And at church that night, two, two or three people just walked up to me and just gave me a Pentecostal handshake. You know what a Pentecostal handshake is? Somebody puts some money in their hand, they shake hands with you, and they just leave the money in your hands. So I got two or three Pentecostal handshakes that night. And uh, we were staying there on the ground, so I didn't drive anywhere. Next morning, I got up early and, uh, and, and got dressed and started, and I said, I'll be back. Jack said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to buy some gas. I said, I got some money last night, and I'm going to put some gas in his car. So, so I did. I went and gassed it up. But you know, as long as I didn't have any money, I knew, I knew God would keep me with the, the gas situation. It wasn't comfortable with John Osteen being in the car with me, but it was, uh, but as soon as I got some money, I wasn't about to say, well, I'm just going to keep on doing this. I'm just going to keep on driving this thing. Are y'all still with me? Let me, let me, let me get, let me get this thing finished up. I'm taking more time than I intended to. Um, 
Matthew 14, 14, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 14, 36, as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. Matthew 15, 30, and great multitudes came to him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Isn't that great that they would, they would, those people would bring sick people to Jesus, but they never had to take them back. They never had to... They, once, once they got them to Jesus, he healed them, so they were, they were good. Matthew twenty one fourteen, the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Matthew twenty eight eighteen, all powers given to me in heaven and in earth. Mark sixteen fifteen, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature he believes baptized shall be saved, and he that believe not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. I quote that for you all go in my name. They'll cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpent, drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. Lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Mark, 10, Mark 16, 20. I love this verse, the last of Mark. It says, They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. You know, when I was a young minister, and people would bring people to me for healing, and they'd bring sick people and deaf people and blind people and, and, and people with fevers and all kind of stuff. And, and I, just, I just, it's like, I think, dear God, they're bringing these people to me and they want me to lay my hot little hands on them and heal them, and I can't. I don't know how to do that. I can't help them. I don't know what to do. And one day the Lord really got on to me and gave me this scripture. He said, go read that last scripture in Mark. And I knew what the Great Commission said. I knew what it said from verse 15 to 18. But he said, go, go, read, uh, go read verse 20. So I did. I read it and reread it and reread it and reread it. They went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Finally, after I'd read it a bunch of times, the Lord said to me, he said, your job's to go everywhere and preach. My job's to confirm the word and heal them. Your job's not to heal them. You can't heal any of them. Get the pressure off of you. Pressure's not on you. You go everywhere and preach. He said, they went everywhere and preached. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. You know, it just absolutely took all the pressure off of me. And I was able to relax and just pray for people and pray for people and pray for people and pray for all kinds of people, realizing that my job is not to heal them and I couldn't, I can't do it anyway. My job is to go everywhere and preach. Make sure I give people the word, the right word, the correct word. Build their faith. And then God's job is to confirm that word, work with me, and confirm the word with signs following. Acts 3, 6, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he did. And then Peter went on to say in verse 1 through 16, And his name through faith in that name, his name through faith in that name has made this man strong. Acts 4, 10, By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth does this man stand before you whole. Verse 12, for there is none other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. Luke ten seventeen. Lord, even the devils are subject to us in thy name. Philippians 2, 9, 11. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You know, in the Bible, and I said this to you the other day, in the Bible, every time Jesus healed somebody, he did one of two things or did both of those things. He either touched them or he spoke to them or he touched them and spoke to them. 
You go read every miracle, every miracle, every miracle. Some people he just spoke to. Some people he just touched. Some people he spoke to and touched. But he really didn't, and, and, and listen, to my, listen to what I'm saying here. I don't, I don't want to confuse you. Jesus never, ever really prayed for the sick. He, he never laid hands and prayed and asked the Lord to heal them. And he told us that we were to lay hands on people. He didn't say lay hands and pray. He said, he said, lay hands on them and they shall be healed. Amen. So there's a transference and an anointing of laying hands on people and a transference and anointing in speaking to people. But you don't ever find Jesus actually praying for somebody. And even though we do it, and we cannot see how we can ever stop it in church, but really we're not, we're not told to go pray for the sick. We're told to lay hands on them. And we're told to speak to them in the name of Jesus. Right? Somebody says, yeah, Brother Terry, now Jesus prayed for that blind guy twice. No, he didn't. He didn't even pray for him once. The Bible says they brought to him a blind guy. And it says that Jesus put his hand upon him. And then Jesus said to him, now, how do you see? Didn't pray for him. Lay his hand on him. And said, how do you see? And what we forget, what we seem to miss in the church was that the guy got a miracle. He was healed. He couldn't see. Now he can see. It's just not clear. Right? So he said to Jesus, I see men as trees walking. In other words, it's not 20-20. But I see. I can, I can see. It's a miracle. And so it says that Jesus laid his hand on him again. So we say Jesus prayed for him twice, but he didn't pray for him once. He just put his hand on him. The guy got his miracle, but it wasn't clear, so Jesus put his hand on him again. He said, now how do you see? He said, great, 20-20. I, I liken that, and I liken you praying for people, I liken it to a battery charger on a car. You know, do you ever go out and, and get in your car and, and you, you try to start the car and, and it goes, the battery's dead you're you're sucking that juice out of it but it's not kicking over so you put a battery charger on it or jump it with another battery and uh, what happens is that power or that charge goes through those cables into your dead battery right and that dead battery starts to receive but maybe you don't do it long enough and then take the cables off and then try to start it, and it does the same thing. So you put the cables back on it and leave it longer. And that's what I believe Jesus did that day. I think he just popped his hand up on that guy's head, and the anointing went in. The guy opened his eyes, and Jesus took his hand off, and he had a miracle. It just wasn't full, right? So he said, I see men as trees walking. Jesus said, oh, well, here, have some, have, have some more of that. And he just plugged back in again. And whenever he did, it brought the healing and brought the miracle. Amen. So a lot of times when I'm praying, you know, I, sometimes I just like to leave my hands on people a long time. I mean, one time in the, in the jungles of Burma, a, a, a grandmother gave me a little tiny baby, little baby girl, just 16 days old. And she was a preemie. She was born at seven months, and then her mother died in childbirth. And her dad walked off out in the jungle at the mother's birth, and nobody ever saw him again. And uh, and so she brought this, the grandmother brought me this little baby. 
And she said, Brother Terry, would you pray for my, my granddaughter? I said, my daughter died and the baby's premature. And uh, would you pray for her? I think she's going to die. And I just took her in my arms and, and held her and walked around and just prayed. I prayed a long, 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 long prayer. But, but my faith wasn't in the long, long prayer. My faith was just keep praying so you can hold her longer. Just keep on praying so you can keep your hands on her. Just let the anointing just go into her and into her and into her and into her and into her and, into her and uh, minister, minister healing to her. And God did. God did a real, real super miracle in that baby. And, and uh, I, I, I know that's a fact because the grandmother came back to me a couple of days later and just gave her to me. He said, here, I'm giving you my granddaughter. And uh, so since we're on Internet and stuff, I probably won't tell what happened, but... Uh, Anyway, that little girl got a miracle healing and, and uh, is in Canada today, adopted out to some people. Now, I won't go into any details of that because most everything I did was illegal, but uh, <clears throat> including being in that country. But anyway, praise the Lord. That anointing went into her, and a couple of days later when we took her... Well, again, we took her into civilization, <laughs> laid her on a table, and now she just, I mean, you know, she's 17, what now, 18 days old, and laid her on this table trying to figure out what to do with her, what we're going to do with her. And while we were standing around talking about her, just me and my son and the missionary and his wife, we was on a table like this, and we was on all four sides, of just the four of us standing there just talking about this baby, what are we going to do with her? And, uh, and she just rolled over. Well, now, you all know a baby that age can't roll over. They can't do that. Well, when she rolled over, we all saw it, but we just ignored it like we didn't see it. We just kind of just kept on talking. <laughs> and all of us thought, did I see that? Did that really happen? And then we talked for a little while, still talking, and she just rolled back over again. And when she did, we just all started laughing and said, well, God, God's obviously got this. This is a supernatural thing, and he's obviously obviously healed her. And, and, and he has. She's uh, She's 13, what, 14 years old now, living in Canada, and I don't even know if she knows her story or not. But uh, God sure did a miracle on her. But my point was I just kept her as long as I could to keep the anointing flowing into her. You want that anointing, that power, that charge to go, uh, to go into people. Or you can speak the word. It'll do the same thing. Speaking the word or laying hands are both viable methods of healing. There's a number of methods of healing in the Bible. Jesus spit on people, and they were healed. And I don't think you'd want to have a spitting service, but that's what Jesus did. And uh, another time, the shadow of Jesus passing by, people got them healed. And then the shadow of Peter passing by got them healed. And then uh, 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 anointing with oil, you know, prayer cloths. There's lots of methods of healing. And uh, the one that Jesus used the most was speaking the word. And he had those big multitudes, you know. He, there's no way he could lay hands on all those people. He had to just speak the word. The Bible doesn't tell us what he did. It just says he healed them all. Well, if he healed them all in that big, huge crowd, there's not any way he laid hands on them. It's just, he just simply spoke to them and declared them healed, which is what we do in our open-air crusades and most of the time in churches in the States. But uh, Jesus didn't pray twice. He didn't pray once. Amen. Are you all here? You know, I have it from authority of authority in heaven to tell you that sickness and disease doesn't belong in you. And we need to understand that. And I've talked to you about this before when I've been here, but I'll say it again. We, we need to treat sickness and disease like a, like a rattlesnake. 
I've never met a rattlesnake I like. I'm a West Texas boy. I grew up with rattlesnakes. You come outside them in the backyard or the garage or on the street or anywhere else. And everyone I ever met in my life, I'd, I've killed. If I met one tonight, I'd kill it tonight. I never met one I liked, and I never will meet one that I like. And uh, you need to treat sickness that same way. You don't, you don't cohabitate with a rattlesnake and say, well, I just won't bother him and he won't bother me. That's not true. He'll kill you. That's his job. Well, you don't cohabitate with sickness and disease either. You don't just say, well, I'll just leave it alone and it'll be all right. No, no, no. You, you need to aggressively attack it and curse it. As Jesus cursed the fig tree and it died, you need to curse that disease, deny it the right to exist in your body. Amen? Call healing into your body. Accept healing. Believe God. Do what you need to do. But don't just ignore it and cohabitate with it and say, well, it'll be all right. No, you just leave it alone. It's not going to be all right. You need to hate it. You need to despise it. You need to absolutely have a... I have a visceral reaction to rattlesnakes. You ought to have a visceral reaction to disease. Amen. When somebody comes up for prayer, that's that's the way I feel. When they come up to me for prayer, I just say, I hate that disease. I hate cancer. I hate all those different diseases, whatever name they're called. If they're they're destroying you and killing you and taking life out of you and being a parasite and just just eating on your body and just I, I hate that stuff. And you just need to get where you have a visceral reaction to it and just use the name of Jesus. It's not fair to use the name of Jesus on the devil, but I do it. Amen. And he'll confirm the word with signs following. You know, I've watched God do so many miracles in in our ministry over the years. I've seen him do signs. I've seen him do wonders. I've seen him do miracles. I've seen him do regular healing. And I don't care what he does. I, I, I like it all. Had a guy one time in uh, in Springfield, Missouri, years ago. I was preaching a tent revival, and this guy, uh, I just I finished preaching my message, and I just prayed a prayer over everybody. Had everybody stand up, and I just prayed for them where they were. Didn't bring them up and lay hands on them. And I said, "Now do what you couldn't do. Just do the impossible. If you couldn't jump, jump. If you couldn't see, see. If you couldn't hear, hear. If you couldn't bend over, bend over. If you can lift your arm, lift it. Just do something. Faith demands action. Do something." And this one guy back here got out in the center aisle, and there in the sawdust. And just start squatting down, just up and down, squatting down, squatting down, stand up, squatting down, stand up. And people were coming up and telling me testimonies, and he was still doing that. And then we'd stop, we'd praise God. You know, if you praise God for a while, he'll show up again. And he inhabits the praise of his people. And so if you, you know, in, in an open-air crusade overseas, I'll, we'll have miracles, and then we'll praise the Lord for a while. Then we'll have some more miracles. We'll praise the Lord for a while. Usually in the church in the States, I kind of watch the clock, and everybody's ready to go home, and we don't do all that. But, but um, anyway, this guy just kept doing this. And so finally I said to him, I said, Sir... What did, what did Jesus do for you? And he walked down to the front and he said, uh, Preacher, have I got a story for you? And I said, well, what is it? And he said, uh, the doctors have uh, done surgery on me and put a metal rod in my leg from my ankle, from my hip to my ankle. And he said, I walk stiff-legged and everybody knows it. And he said, but you said do the impossible, so I am. And he's just squatting down, squatting down, squatting down. And so I looked over at his pastor and the pastor just had tears running down his face. And I said, do you, do you know him, Pastor? He said, yeah, he goes to church here. I said, is this true? He said, that's absolutely true. He walks stiff-legged. He can't do that. And uh, so I said to the man, I said, uh, I want you to go to the hospital and get me a, or go to the doctor and get me an x-ray. I want to see that. And he said, well, that's no problem. I work at the hospital. I, I'll bring you an x-ray tomorrow night. So the next night, he brought, an, he brought two x-rays. He brought one dated several months before when they did the surgery and had the metal rod, steel rod in his leg. 
and then he brought the one dated that morning with just a normal normal bone, normal, no, no rod of any kind, just bone, which is a sign and a wonder. God, you, Brother Hagin, you say God does a sign and it makes you wonder. Amen. But see, that's a, that's a creative miracle. That's a sign. It's a wonder. There's no explanation for that. It's just, you know, God, God did it, and everybody says, well, you can't explain it. Can't explain it. Amen. Are y'all here? Did you get anything out of all this tonight? Well, it's 8 o'clock. I guess we ought to quit. Why don't you stand up with me? You know, I've had a lot of those kind of things happen over the years, those, those creative type miracles or signs and wonders. Had one girl one time in Atlanta, Georgia, and she had two two screws in her ankle. The doctors had put two screws in her ankle, so it was it was fused. It wouldn't it wouldn't bend, and uh, God healed her. And her ankle just was normal. Had another lady, plastic hip uh, and joints in her in her right hip in Denver in Maryland in Wally Hickey's church years ago, and, and uh, God completely healed her. Uh, had a little girl in South Africa that was born without a without a bone without cartilage in her nose but she was born with her nose just flat on her face and it was always flat on her face nine years old and one night she was asleep in the floor her mother was sitting on the front row and she was asleep in the floor in front of her mother and uh, i prayed a miracle prayer and, and i said now do the impossible so her mother reached over and just picked her little girl's face up and looked at it and burst into tears and i said mama what god do there and she said well when my baby was born said she i think she's nine years old she said, when she was born, she said, her, her nose was flat on her face and always has been because there's no bone, there's no cartilage here. And she's now got, she's got a normal nose, a regular nose. She's just grabbing her nose and pulling it. And I looked over the pastor, you know, and his wife, and I said, do you all know this lady? They said, we were there the day that baby was born. So that's absolutely true. That, that's, uh, that's an absolute uh, uh, miracle of God. So we just had, we just seen God do those kind of things over and over. You can't, you can't explain a, a miracle. The definition of a miracle, as far as I'm concerned, is because of God. If you can explain it, it's not a miracle. But when God does something like that, you say, oh, I can't explain that. God did it. Just, just God did it. I was preaching for Norval Hayes one time, and a lady came up. Uh, I, I prayed a prayer and said, do the impossible. This lady came up to me doing like this, knocking on her head. I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, you said do the impossible. And she said, uh, she said my, in, in a car wreck, my, my, my forehead, my skull was just crushed uh, here a while back. And she said, it's just been painful. Uh, to touch it, said so it was just smashed in, and, and just just it's been, it's been painful. And she said, "But you know, I'm I'm touching it and hitting it. it, it it's." And her grown son came up there and said, "Mama, let me see." And he he took her, turned around, poked on her forehead. And he said, "That is a miracle." So that's a real live, honest to goodness, honest to goodness miracle. But uh, and of course, blind eyes, deaf ears, you can't explain that. Had a little girl in India one time in the crusade. I say little girl, she was probably. 19 or 20, something like that. And uh, not only completely blind, but she didn't have any uh, didn't have any color to her eyes whatsoever, just white. No, no, no cornea, no pupils, no, no nothing, just just white. And uh, she came to the crusade every night, every night. And uh, my wife and four kids were sitting on the platform, another preacher friend sitting on the platform. And, and in the crusade, you kind of, if you don't watch yourself, you kind of, you kind of pick out favorites, you know. You start seeing people say, oh, man, if I was God, I'd heal that one. You know, I'm, God, I'm believing for that one. They just kind of locked their faith in. So this little girl got all of their attention. They'd watched her every night. 
And every night I'd pray a miracle prayer right where everybody stood. And every night I'd say, do the impossible. And every night, you know, I'd see her hold her hand up in front of her face like this. And I'd see her mother hold her hand up in front of the girl's face like that. And she, she never did uh, get her healing. And every night I'd say, now you can come back tomorrow night. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So I preach the word of God. Faith's going to come. And as faith rises, God can touch you to the point of your faith and miracles will happen. So this happened every night, every night, every night, every night. And every night my, my crew on the platform is disappointed. You know, say, oh, you know, we want her to get healed. And the very last night of the crusade, uh, I preached and prayed miracle prayer. And people came and gave testimony. She was out there doing all this. And all of a sudden, pow, you know, she got excited. Her mama got excited. And they came up to the platform to, to give their testimony. And she just had beautiful eyes. Just God just gave her color and, you know, all the stuff you need in your eyeball to see. And she just looked like a, a normal, normal person, just a wonderful miracle. Praying another time, I was in a little bitty house meeting in Guadalajara, Mexico, and, and, and they had so many people in the house. We didn't have chairs. We just took all the furniture out, and everybody just stood up, just jammed, crammed in there. And uh, it was so crowded, I was, lean, I was right up against the wall and had my Bible right in front of me like this, and the first person was right in front of me. And there just wasn't any room at all. And, and this person just in front of me and to my, just to my right had that same situation, just had white, had no eyes, no, no color of any kind. And just had white orbs. And uh, that night, I was praying for the sick. And uh, I, uh, I sat there and watched her. I mean, I was this close to her. And I sat there and watched uh, her, her, her white, uh, I don't know what they are. They're not eyeballs because you didn't have an eye. But her, the, the, the orbs, her eyes, just begin to get little bumps on them. I mean, I, I'm close enough to see. These little bumps just start, just start growing or happening or something, popping up on her, on her eyes. And then that turned into a round, you know, a round coloration. And then that got darker and that got darker and darker. And pretty soon there's a cornea and an iris and a pupil. And, and she just was completely healed and uh, saw perfectly. But I literally sit there this close and watch that, watch that miracle take place, you know. Just, those are just miracles, signs, wonders, creative miracles, just things that God does when he shows up and shows out. Amen. But you take these scriptures tonight. And use those in your healing. Take the, take the CD to somebody in the hospital. Get them to listen to it. They don't have anything better to do laying in the hospital than just listen to the Word of God. On, on healing, just healing scriptures and healing scriptures and testimonies and things like that. And just have them play that over and over and over and over and let, them, uh, let healing come to them and minister to them. Amen. Father, thank you for your Word tonight. Thank you for this great church. What a delight it's been to uh, come for Mike and for Beth and to come for the church and to be here last Sunday and then Wednesday and today as well. I've enjoyed the time, Lord. I thank you for a time to to build and to speak into the people's lives and to uh, watch faith work and watch faith grow. And as Chip asked me today, next year would I I minister to the youth? I'd be happy to, happy to, delighted to. And I thank you for this church. Father, this church has helped us in missions, supported us in missions. They've helped us with... uh, with gypsy pastors in Romania. They've helped us with orphans. They've helped us at Christmas time with orphans. I, I thank you for that. I appreciate that. I appreciate our partners. I appreciate our partner churches. I thank you for blessing them, especially blessing them, because they've helped us and helped people around the world. Father, this last uh, March as we were there, those the gypsy pastors made a serious decision, 300 of them said they were going to break away from the traditional teachings and they were going to 
accept the word of faith and, and accept what we had been teaching them and go with the teachings that we had been bringing, which are the faith message and the word and who they are in Christ and confession and prosperity and blessing and treating their wife right and allowing women to be equal in the church. And thank you for that, Lord. And this church has been a part of all that. And we thank you for it. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor and the majesty and dominion. Bless Pastor Mike and Beth. Minister to them. Be the lifter of their head. Thank you for a strong, healthy local church. Thank you for your blessings upon this place and this people. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Now, just hold your hand up to the Lord where your help comes from. Put your other hand on yourself. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray tonight healing, miracles, restoration, deliverance, creative miracle, signs and wonders. Now, Lord, I've already talked to you about this. I've already been praying for it, believing for it, had my faith on it. And tonight's tonight. We thank you for it. Fall right now. Holy Spirit, fall in this house. On every person, from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet, every system of the body, the digestive system, respiratory system, immune system, Father, on their bones, their organs, eyes, ears, creative miracle, creative miracle in the name of Jesus, bones, Move in Jesus' name. Move, move. Come in line. Come in line. Spine, straighten in the name of Jesus. Every disc and every vertebra from your from the base of your neck to your tailbone, straighten now. Move in Jesus' name. Come in line with the Word of God. And be healed and made whole. Father, I speak healing to the mind tonight. And I curse Alzheimer's. I curse... Dementia. Father, we curse Huntington's disease. We curse ALS. We curse Parkinson's. We curse MS. In the name of Jesus. Father, these diseases that Satan brought about to destroy people. You brought about healings and miracles and signs and wonders to counteract what hell had done. So I thank you for miracles tonight. Miracles tonight. And Father, I realize this isn't a crusade in a third world country or 100,000 people here, but there, there are people here that need a touch from God. And so, Father, I believe you to meet the need tonight in Jesus' name. Healings, miracles, restoration, deliverance, from their head to their feet, in their body and bones and organs and blood and every part of them, healed to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Now, body, you line up with the Word of God and you hear me now and be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be made whole, whole. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Every spirit of infirmity, you hear me now? 
infirm spirits that come and buffet people and buffet them and then they'll leave and then they'll come back. Then they'll leave. They'll come. Doctors would call it a chronic disease that comes and goes and comes and goes. Many times that's a spirit of infirmity. You spirit of infirmity, loose this people. Loose them and trouble them no more. In the name of Jesus, you go and don't you come back this time. In the name of Jesus. Deliverance from infirm spirits. Doesn't mean anybody's demon-possessed. It just means they're being buffeted, harassed by some pain or some disease that comes and goes. You can say something like migraine headaches would be a chronic-type disease. Come and go, come and go. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, for total deliverance, redemption from infirm spirits in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, I curse addictions tonight. Any addiction of any kind, whatever name it has, whatever addiction it might be, the addiction controls their will. And they say, I won't do that again, but they do it. I won't do that again, but they do it. I won't do that again, but they do it. It, It's a thing where their will never has the control to say, no, it's not going to happen. Well, Father, tonight I curse those addictions and break their power and break their hold in the name of Jesus that from this night forward they have their will back. And they'll stomp their foot and say, no, this is my body and I'm not doing that anymore. And this time they've got their will back. And now their will is in control as opposed to the addiction. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Healings and miracles in every area of your body. Now just lift your hands to God and thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for healing. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for restoration, deliverance. Thank you. Father, we give you the glory. We wouldn't touch your glory. Jesus is the healer. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Now, some of you, if you just need to check yourself and see what the Lord's done. You couldn't do something, do it. Father, I curse every tumor, every growth, every knot. Command it to dissipate, dissolve, die. Get out. In Jesus' name. Just examine yourself. Check that out. Do what you couldn't do. See what the Lord's done. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank Him again. Give Him glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. We thank you and praise you. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Well, you can put your hands down. Look up here. Praise the Lord. Did did anybody check yourself? Anything different? God's done something for you. God touched you. Pain was there. Pain's gone. Problem's there. Problem's gone. You can do something you couldn't do before. Anybody? In the children, aspirin, if they can go trick-or-treating, and then they are afraid. And that is the spirit of fear in this Halloween. And I'm sure, and now, I just want to be thankful that you share Psalm 91. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, for Good. them to go and sure. around the neighborhood and sure. speak Psalm 91. Sure. Because we have that authority in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, like 
Well, we just need to pray for them anytime they go out. Psalms 91 is something you just use every day, all the every time. Day. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, because we have that authority. Sure. Brother Summerall said one time in the town, uh, the devil moved his bed. His right, bed. right, right. And uh, he said. Well, let me see. Let me see what what the testimonies are. I I, I know that story. Lester was a good friend of mine. Yeah. yeah thank you. He told the devil. Yeah. To put, put, put the bed back. Yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, that's just I told you something, you'd do it. Praise God. Anybody else? What did God do for you? Hurt your wrist a month ago? Praise the Lord. Pain's gone. Good. Anybody else? God's done something for you? Yeah, don't clap yet. Anybody? You checked yourself? Yes, ma'am. I had a last week. Mm-hmm. Good to breathe. Amen. I'm glad. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. I always love to get something moving. You know, if you get it moving, you know, uh, pain's a 10 down to a 4. Thank God that it's moving. That's the right direction. So just just believe God to get that completely out. Completely out. Amen. Anybody else? God's done something for you? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Sore throat's completely gone. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. She just took off her glasses and she could see two of me. I said, nobody wants that. <clears throat> you don't see men as trees walking? Praise the Lord. That's good. Yeah, amen, amen. Good, I love to get it moving. That's, that's great. Praise the Lord. Seeking up. You can read that. Praise the Lord. I like it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? God's done something for you. If you had a tumor, a growth, a knot, something like that, you might check it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, his wife, met, she, she bent her thumb last night and sprained her finger really badly. Yeah. Amen. 
God healed her thumb and dried her hair. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, see, that's just you guys using your faith at home, just using these scriptures. Just wonderful. Yeah, amen. I like it. I like it. Praise God. Anybody else got something for you tonight here? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, amen. We'll just walk that out. I, I like, you know, I'm, several of these are, they're, they're moving, you know. Just keep it moving completely out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. Well, glory. Let's give God glory. Give him praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise, the majesty and dominion. Jesus is the healer. We wouldn't touch your glory, Lord. We thank you for doing all these things. Several people have said that uh, it, it started in the right direction. Father, I believe you to keep it going. Keep it going until there's a complete, absolute healing that they're sure of in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Thank you for it. Amen. Last time, anybody have a tumor, growth or not? Something it's, it's either gone or moved or gotten small or done something? Get that in my spirit. Yes, right here. Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. She said since she was about 25 years old, she hadn't been able to put her right foot down like the other one without pain, and, and now she's able to do that. Thank you. Pain's gone. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. I'm glad you got healed. Amen. Well, all right. Praise the Lord. I still think there's a tumor or a growth or a knot somewhere that's, uh, that God's doing something to or doing something with, but praise the Lord. Y'all pray for us as we go. You know, we're in, we're in foreign countries all the time, and we just covet your prayers. We appreciate when people pray for us. And, and uh, we're, we're going to be in the South Pacific and Samoa uh, over, the, uh, over Thanksgiving uh, and then in New Zealand and ministering the Word of God in both of those, both of those places. And uh, you just, uh, in fact, we're going to be gone Thanksgiving, actually. But you all just pray for us. If you, God wakes you up at 2 or 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, we, it may be noon where we're at, and we may need prayer. So uh, just keep us in prayer, and then after that we'll be in Mexico again, and then we'll be in Peru and Colombia, and uh, in, in uh, two different cities in Peru and two different cities in Colombia. And so we just covet your prayers, Amen. And uh, pre- just believe God with us on our on, on us going and being protected, and on our health and on the finances to do all that stuff. I don't know if you realize it or not, but sometimes things we do are very expensive because we're we're bringing pastors in. And then we're, we're supplying, not only ministering to them, but depending on the country it is and what's going on. Then some, like in Romania, uh, uh, you know, we'll bring the pastors in, put them in a hotel, pay for their hotel, their food, uh, everything they do. So sometimes these meetings are really expensive. And in all these uh, almost 50 years, God just always paid for it. Amen. 
And uh, he just so you just you just set your faith and believe God with us to keep it going. Products are back there, things at the at the table, CDs, and and then of course uh, we're really excited about our podcast, TerryMinus.com, free for nothing. You can go get podcasts and have the Word Minister do you anytime, all the time. And uh, we love you. We're for you. And I've been delighted in ministering to you this last week. And so, uh, Chip, come on, rescue these folks. Thank you. We love you too.